be with you here today, church. Um, I was thinking about this sermon. A couple of different uh, images came to mind, uh, and one of them was the time where I um, hiked Pikes Peak and almost died, right? <laughs> and so um, we are the, the summer before my senior year of college, our, our coach, uh, uh, it was tradition that we all went together as seniors to climb Pikes Peak. Remember, I'm from Kansas, and Kansas is... Good, good job, right? Like Kansas is flat. And so uh, this is Pike Peak. It's a 14er. That's what they call it in Colorado. It's above 14,000 feet in elevation. So it's a little bit of a hike, to say the least, right? We're from Kansas. This is Colorado. It's a wholly different thing. About 12 miles of climbing, about 8,000 feet in elevation change. Like no joke. Um, whatsoever. And so um, we started to head to Colorado. We're going on this uh, this trip, and I knew that I should have been mentally prepared. Like, if this were today, like, this would be an opportunity to buy new hiking supplies, right? That's what I do. Like, I'm mentally prepared. I got to buy cool stuff to, to prepare for the trip. But this was in my college days, and so I knew I should have, but I didn't. We just ended class, and so I trusted my coach. I, I trusted my players, and so I just showed up with a little backpack and some shoes, and decided that we were going to go hiking. Uh, and so we, we get to Colorado, and, and Coach had been two or three times before, so he gave us some tips. And the tips um, basically uh, amounted to wear sunscreen and don't pack a lot of water because it's heavy. All right, so I want you to remember those two tips here, here in a minute. And so we started uh, on our hike, but right before we got to the place that we were going to start the hike, our coach told us that this was a new place as he was struggling finding the, the start of it. And he had never gone this way before, um, but it was a way that not everybody had gone and it made the trip a little bit longer. Um, so right away, that, that, that made uh, me a little bit nervous. And this is where the trip started to go wrong, right? See, he said that there was a trail to follow. I believe I have a picture of the, of the trail where, where you, it looks like there's a trail and you can stay on the trail. Um, but what he failed to account that it was uh, the, the beginning of May and that there was snow everywhere. And so there was no trail uh, to follow. And so we started on this no trail that we saw every once in a while. And at one point we ended up um, just taking a turn and uh, we realized about halfway um, uh, across this valley that we weren't on ground we were on a snow bridge and so we would walk a couple steps especially us heavier folk we would walk a couple steps and then one leg we'd fall and it'd sink all the way down to our hip right and so we're on the, this this snow bridge trying to cross this way because coach said go this way and so we went that way because we were good players and and we decided to go and we kept going and, and and one lineman was struggling he had just had knee surgery the month before but he was a farm kid and he was going to go to Colorado and so uh, it basically ended up with me pulling him up stuff or pushing him from behind uh, up different things and it was tough and then another lineman all these linemen just bowing out halfway he had uh, altitude sickness and so he started to throw up and so we had to stop where we were we thought we saw the road there's a road that goes up that which is fun to drive on and so we had to just hike to the road to get him a car and then we could get back on our no trail to get back up to the top of the mountain but things one after the other kept going wrong we ended up at devil's playground um, with this sign right when it started to storm uh, so uh, you imagine the fear that started to set in. 
And then uh, there's these things at the top. They called them the golden staircase. And I thought one step meant that you were up. And it's like 12 or 22 golden step. No, it's a, it's a switchback. And one switchback is your way up. So it's like double the length that you mentally think. And that's exactly where we ran out of water. Right? And I, in fact, I'm thirsty. I, that made me thirsty. I'm going to drink some water. <laughs> Not a good idea to follow that tip of old coach as we started up the mountain. And when people climb the mountain, which they do all the time, there's one way you can, you can sleep in a little cabin and then go up in the morning. And, and it's, it's a, still a big deal, but it's not that big of a deal. But the pictures of the people at the top of normal humans, they look like this, right? They're excited. They've conquered something. They're great. Um, the picture of us, when we made it to the top, we were happy to be alive. This is... <laughs> Like, look at the guy on the back there, like the, the one in the camo. He's, his mouth is open. He's about to die. Like, this isn't even a staged don't smile football picture. This is like, let us go eat cookies at the gift shop, and we need some water picture, right? And so we finally made it to the top. And that day, more than any other day, I realized and solidified in my mind that I better know who I'm following, Right? Like, I don't care what, if I'm in college or not, or I don't have time, or I'm tired, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know who I'm following, and that they have been there before, right, or they know the way. And so, as we've been talking these last couple of weeks about the good life, this is, a, this is one part of the good life that we've got to get right to, to, to walk into the good life that God has for us. And so, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to keep this in mind as we read. Uh, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians today, 2 Corinthians uh, in chapter 2, starting in verse 12. But Paul is, is writing a letter. He's going to give some imagery that helps us know a little bit more about um, God, a little bit more about ourselves, and a little bit more about how we see the world and the places and spaces that God leads us to. So 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. If you don't have it, no worries. It's on the screen for you today. But let's read the word of the Lord this morning, church. It says, Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and, and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother, brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one, we are the aroma that brings death, and to the other, the aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. The word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. There's this phrase that I like, and I notice this in my life all the time, but it's the phrase that says, smells ring bells. Have you ever heard that? Smells ring bells. Especially when we start to step into summer. Uh, somebody in our neighborhood was uh, uh, grilling with, with charcoal. Who does that? That takes too much time, right? But they were grilling with charcoal, right? And it brought me back to my grandma's house with like, like the cheapest hot dogs you can find. That's the best, right? Uh, it smells like summer in, in my neighborhood. The other day, or like when you go to a baseball game and you have a brand new bag of sunflower seeds, 
and you open it up, like that smells like like summer uh, to me, or, or or many many different things that catch my nose, and I immediately I immediately connect with like cut grass or sunscreen or the smell of fish on your hands. Like, that's a good smell uh, because you're catching something. Or, or bomb pops. I like the smell of bomb pops. Some people don't even know what that is. Or the the dirty exhaust from an old ice cream truck. Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> So the ice cream truck was already in my neighborhood last week, right? It smells like summer. Do you ever do that? Do you have those, those things where the smell just brings back that, that memory? Well, as we, as we step into our passage this morning, Paul introduces this imagery of something that all the hearers at the time would immediately connect a smell to. They would know about what this is and even what it, what it smelled like. And, and so Paul's using the language that the, is the language of this Roman triumphal procession, this Roman victory parade called the triumph. And everybody in the in the in the known world at that time um, had 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 a run in with the with the Romans, especially everybody that Paul's going to be writing to. They know who the Romans are, and this is kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big parade. We're known at Mountain Home for having the Idaho's largest parade, right? I, I'm going to miss you guys. Uh, but I'm not going to miss that parade. <laughs> just to be honest with you, just to share my heart this morning. Uh, I'm not going to miss that parade. So that's the Idaho's largest parade. At the time, this would have been the, the, the Romans. This would have been the world's largest parade. This was a, a big deal. And this parade was set up in, to honor a commander who has returned victorious. I've got a, a picture here. You can kind of see the imagery of what's going on. This commander's return uh, victorious. It's this parade that would have paraded this guy around the streets in front of the people and the Senate and even, sin, the, even Caesar himself. Um, but they didn't uh, have a triumph or prayed for just some old fellow that came back from war and won a little bit. But you had to meet criteria to get a prayed like this, right? Like you had, to, you had to meet certain things to get a prayed like this. You had to win a battle on foreign soil. You had to have killed at least 5,000 enemy soldiers and you had to gain ground and territory for Caesar. And if you did these things, then you got a prayed. Right. If you if you met these requirements, you got to pray. You were brought into Rome. You were given this golden chariot and paraded through the streets as the star of the day, the star of the show. And, and he would have been surrounded by his officers. He'd been surrounded by uh, the people who have helped them. He'd been surrounded by captives. See these guys that are they're all wrangled up here. And then he would have been surrounded by priests um, of the day that would burn their incense so that everybody, even if they didn't come to the parade, they would have smelled the parade. They would have known what was happening in the streets because of the smell. It was a very smelly day. And for the Romans, the ones that won the battle, the smell equaled victory, right? The smell equaled, we've gained new, new territories. Remember the criteria of, of what have happened. We, we gained victory. We've, 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 we've gone to this place. The aroma was the smell of victory. When I was a kid, I played on a, a traveling baseball team. And I, I swear we spent more time in the van than we did on the field because we were going through like middle of nowhere Kansas, right? And, and so we drive and we drive and we drive. But if we won, our coach would do anything and everything that he could, even if it meant we had to go all the way back to our hometown and we would get Pizza Hut. 
right? Like that was the winning thing. If you won, or if you lost, you had to eat peanut butter and jelly that they had pre-made. If you won, you got the Pizza Hut, right? And you got the Pizza Hut, and it was good, and it was awesome, but that was the smell of victory. That was the prize. That's, that's how you knew that you actually did a, a, a good job on that day. It was the smell of victory, and it smelled good. And so for the Romans, the ones who had won the battle, this smell was the smell of victory. But for the captives, these guys up front, it was not the smell of victory, friends. It was not a, a, a good thing to, to smell at the time. It was the aroma and the smell of loss or, or of defeat. And so Paul's using this image to help the followers of Jesus to, to understand and to know something a little bit differently here. He's painting this picture for us, and it's weird for us but it connects with them. They know what he's talking about. He's connecting this parade, this victory, to the victory of Christ. That through his life and through his death and through his resurrection, that, that God is on the move. Think about this commander, the Roman one, would fulfill these things and he would get the parade. But we, we have Jesus who doesn't fulfill the same things as the commander, but even more things on a spiritual level. And so Paul's setting up this, this imagery that, that Jesus comes from this foreign soil, stepping down from heaven to be one of us. He didn't kill 5,000 people, but he did save 5,000 people in two messages on that first day, right? Like, so he's got victorious victory there. He's gaining ground in the hearts of men and women. And these saved souls, those who have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, are the spoils of victory. Like, we are in the parade. He's setting up this imagery. And through Christ, and because of Christ, our lives bring about this smell that smells good right? The smell, this aroma of, of what it means that God has gained ground, and it is a good smell. That the knowledge of Christ is diffused through our lives. Like, there's not a special, like, like cologne or perfume that the church is going to sell you this morning, right? That's not what I'm talking about. But that through our lives and through our living and through our following of Jesus, there's this knowledge of Christ that is diffused through us, is made present through us. Verse 14 says, But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. We are his priests. We diffuse the fragrance of Christ through our lives. And when I say we are his priests, I'm not saying like me and Pastor Valerie and Pastor Stephanie and Pastor Debbie and, and, and this, that kind of set apart people are the only ones. I mean, every one of us, we are the, the, the priests of Christ. We are the ones and it is our job and our role to, to spread this gospel and this knowledge. But thanks be to God that he is a God who always leads us. Let's pause right there at that, at that statement from verse 14. Thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ. 
that we've been talking about the good life and we've uh, navigated some some different areas of what the good life looks like and what it doesn't uh, look like. But one of the main questions this morning that we need to address in our lives from this passage is who is leading you? Who is leading us as the people of God? Who is leading us? You. Now, I've lived enough to know that God may always lead us, but I think it's safe to say that we don't always follow, right? God may always lead us, but we may not always follow. So have we, uh, as, the, as the people of God, given our whole lives to Jesus, and are we open to the Holy Spirit's movement in our life? Have we given our lives to Jesus not just a long time ago, but today, and are we open today for the, the leading of the Holy Spirit? Not just way back when, when we were a little bit, we were a little bit uh, less hardened by the world, or when we were a little bit more trusting of the people around us, or we were just new to this and we were willing to do everything. Not just way back then do we listen to the Holy Spirit, but are we listening to the Holy Spirit's guidance today, right here, right now? Uh, that's an important question as we fall into this triumphal procession as God leads us in these places and spaces? Do we listen to the Holy Spirit's invitation to move forward in life? Now, I think I was wrong at this for a long time, right? I think I just think I was. I just followed the progression that I was told to follow. I, I just I just like kind of uh, trying to lead God around, not listening very much. Right, saying like, hey, that looks like a good idea. We should go do that, right? Or this is the next step. I should just do this or whatever. There was not much listening going on. There was not much praying of, of, thy, of thy will be done. I was just doing good stuff and, and hoping that things would pan out, right? I mean, I think that that's uh, probably safe to say uh, that, that a lot of us maybe fall into those places and spaces at times, and those aren't bad places and spaces to be necessarily, but I wasn't in a place in a space where I was listening to the Holy Spirit's call in my life at all times, or as much as possible. I think we kind of ignore sometimes. But I wasn't, I wasn't doing these things until I came to a place where I was humbled and I was reminded again and again that Jesus is Lord and I am not. Right? Jesus is Lord, and we've talked about this a long time. Jesus is Lord and I am not. The reality is that Jesus didn't come to live and to die and to rise again so that he could follow me around. I've said this before. Jesus did not come to, to, to live and to die and to rise again so that he could follow you around this life. There was no following you. He came so that we might follow him. I think our, our dogs teach us stuff in life, and we don't realize it for a long time, partly because we don't like them sometimes. We had these dogs, Drake and Penelope. You can probably guess which one was the good dog and which one was not the good dog, right? <laughs> I just got to gotta stop it for my wife. I will not. <laughs> Penelope was a cat dog, right? Penelope was the same as having a cat. Some of you guys like cats. You're a little weird for that, but we won't judge, right? But Penelope was only interested in you if you had food or if you were going on a walk, period. No, nothing else. That was it. Like, that's what you wanted. 
food or walks, food or walks, food or walks at all times. That's just what she did. Right? Jared Drake, on the other hand, was not interested in your food or your walks. He'd eat your food, and he definitely wanted to go on a walk. But he was with you at all times, ready to do whatever you wanted to do and, and, and be present there. Like, he was a, a giant dog, like 100 and something pounds. And it was always, he was always underfoot. Like, right, like you know, you, you teach a dog to heal. You didn't have to teach Drake to heal. He was just there, right? He was just present. He's always, always there, ready to go, ready to do whatever, you know, hey, Drake, jump into the, the 20 degree Snake River and go get that duck. Okay, right? I'll do that, right? Like, the, that's just what he did. He was always ready to do anything and everything that we asked him to do. And you know where I'm going with this. Don't be Penelope. <laughs> right? Like, she's cute. You are, but no, stop it. <laughs> one that is aloof, one that is, is not there, but rather be the, the Drake, one that is waiting and listening and willing to do what the master wants us to do. Always willing to follow, alert and interested, close to the one that, that he serves, that this is the good life. I think sometimes, especially when we're younger, we think that, that going our own way and doing our own thing will bring about awesome stuff. And sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. Right? Sometimes what I think and, and maybe even what I feel is the right way to go and the right thing to do. And all those times I ignore the escape route or I ignore the, the, the hindrance, or I ignore the, the, sometimes the clear communication from God to not do said thing. Remember, we believe in God's preventative grace, God's prevenient grace that God know, goes before us and invites us, and also God prevents us, calls us away from stuff that will bring about brokenness and sin and hurt and pain, that yeah, there are times where I even ignore those calls. Going my own way and doing my own thing is not always the best way, but God has created another way to where we are present and he is present with us in everyday ordinary situations in all things. Paul says in that verse 14 and then, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. That if we are God's people who put our faith and our trust in Jesus, then everywhere God leads us is a place of victory, and we are spreading the aroma of Jesus. Remember, this is, this is coming back. Like This is the, 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 the imagery that Paul gives us is, is they're leading into a place. They're, they're declaring the victory in which they've had. That, and when we translate to this to us, that there is victory in our hearts that God has gained ground. But think about this for a minute. Because of Jesus, you smell good. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that they smell good. Right? You smell good. That you've got, you've got this spiritual smell. Some of you are like, you don't smell so good, but you smell good. <laughs> I'm glad nobody's on the stage with me today. You, you have this spiritual smell because of Jesus, and you smell good. 
there's something about you, and that something is Jesus, and, and your saved life, and, and your spiritual smell rises up to God, and it is the aroma of victory. It's your transformation, whether incredibly small or incredibly big. It's your testimony and your dedication. It's God's grace on you that you have accepted, that you are continually to following Him. Your redeemed life smells good. You just smell good. And so every place you go, with you goes the fragrance of Christ. Thinking about this, this is one of my favorite attributes of God. God is strategic, right? Every place you go brings the the smell and the victory of Christ. And God is strategic. In in college, I was a a hall dad. And we had had had, uh, um, uh, boys' dorms and girls' dorms, which I don't even learn that NNU has like co-dorms. That's crazy. But like we had had separate, and you couldn't allow the girls to come into the, the guys' dorms, not that they wanted to come anyways. But like only certain nights. It was like Thursday night or Tuesday night or something like that. And so on those days, on those nights, you would just start to smell something in the air. And it wasn't, it wasn't like the normal smell of dirty socks and ramen noodles. It was the smell of Axe body spray, <laughs> right? That Axe body spray just come out, and at the, the company actually dropped off pallets full of Axe body spray to our university as free samples. And so everybody had some. We did awful things with that Axe body spray. But you would watch. You'd walk by a guy's room, and you'd see him going over to the closet and ch You'd go over to the couch and and he'd go over to the trash can and rather than taking the trash out, he'd just spray it, <laughs> right? Because that's where it needed to smell. Like it needed to smell different in that place, right? They were strategic of how they placed the clone. They knew the stinky places in the room. They knew that the, the ladies were coming over and they had to clean up a little bit. They knew this. They were strategic about the way they placed it. It was a little sample. They needed to, to place it in the, in the certain places. But God is strategic. Not that he's going to spray the, 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 the dirty couch. But God is strategic. God knows exactly where the aroma of Christ needs to be. Right? And God is in every place and in every space calling every person to himself. But there is a special partnership that God has with us. And I don't know why. Don't ask me why. But God decided that the avenue in which God's grace would come about in our world would be through our hands and our feet and our love and our interaction. God God could do it on his own without a doubt, but God partners with us and invites us to participate. And so God is strategic, knowing exactly where the aroma of Christ needs to be. And so in all places and all spaces that we are called to, we see it from Paul, that he diffuses the fragrance of Christ in those places and spaces. Think about this for a second. Like God calls people to go to the farthest reaches of our world as missionaries. Like we know it. We send them. We help. Every time you, you, you drop money in the offering plate, part of that goes to that. They're the, the church of the Nazarene. It's, it's something that comes right off the top. We send people. We know this. We know that people are called to, to do this, to go to all these places and spaces. 
So if that's the case, why would not God call people to go to Mountain Home, Idaho? Is that possible? I mean, it is. If God's going to call somebody to go somewhere else, then maybe God's calling us to go to Mountain Home, Idaho. Or maybe God's calling us to go to our J-O-B. Or maybe God's calling us to be involved in, in something in our community. Or, heaven forbid, God would call you to Ohio. What's in Ohio? Man, all the places that God will invite us and take us if we are willing to go. Man, all the places that I have been that I would have never, ask my wife, I would have never said yes to if it wasn't for the grace of God in my life. God strategically calls us to the places and spaces where the aroma of Christ is needed and sometimes needed the most. God will call us to these places. And, and we want to be this fragrant aroma, listening to the Holy Spirit, being one that is present and interested and, and, and on board with what God is doing because we know that it's not just our impact that lasts, it's God's impact that lasts. That this is the good life. I could do it on my own and I could make a little bit of progress, but I know without a doubt that the fragrance of Christ can make even more. Paul says in verse 16 to the fellow believer that we are the aroma that brings life. It's an encouragement that God has done work in your life and in my life. It reminds us of the importance of meeting together week after week, that we're better together. I'm reminded when I meet with you that God is on the move, that God is doing his work of restoration, and that smells good. You smell good. You smell good. To the fellow believer, we're the aroma that brings life. But sometimes to the non-believer, we're the aroma that smells like death. The message says that we smell like corpse. <laughs> it doesn't smell good. For those who have not priced their trust in Jesus, our smell smells weird. We can use the different ways to illustrate this. If you have hope that things can be different, you are weird. If you give your life away to serve others and don't ask anything in return, you are weird. If you love the unlovable that no one else will love, you are weird. If you are extravagantly generous, you're weird. But not only that, I believe that the Holy Spirit uses your weirdness at times to stir the hearts of the people around you. That when, when, we, when we have the witness of God working through you and your weirdness and you smell funny the, and, and you, you see the, the love of Christ in someone, we recognize that something is up, that all is not well, that there's weirdness in you. You're a peculiar people. And I'm not saying that you have everything figured out either, by the way. You are not perfect. We know that. But the Holy Spirit is in us and continually leading us down paths that lead to restoration. And let me say it this way. I remember very clearly when I was a teenager and I had turned from God and I was deep in sin and I was doing my own thing. And church was a very uncomfortable place to be dragged to. Like really, like to be dragged to. Because the people of the church reminded me of those things that I was doing wrong. 
They reminded me each and every week. They touched on my guilt. And if you've ever touched on somebody's guilt, you know that the expression of, of their return is not well. It is not good. I didn't want to be confronted by my guilt, and so I did anything and everything I could to not be in that place. But they didn't say, you're a horrible teenager. Like, stop it and love Jesus. They didn't condemn me or kick me out of the church when I was a jerk and I challenged everything, but they did the exact opposite. They created space for me, and they didn't have to say anything to remind me of my sin. They didn't. That wasn't their job. They didn't do that. Now, I don't want to claim that we never need to confront people on sin. In fact, right before this passage, Paul walks through this process of confronting and forgiving someone. That's a reality of the church. But, but through the space and through the love of the people of the church, the Holy Spirit used the church as this smelling salt in my life to be reminded again and again to be woken up to the love of God. Now, may we be aware of this, how, how to consider how the aroma of our lives through Christ is a witness to all people. When I meet with you, I'm reminded that God is on the move and that God restores. And I see that in your eyes and I see that in your life. And then and, and, and there's, a, there's a witness there. There's a connection there. And you like the smell and I like the smell and everything's smelly good. But then when I go to the places and spaces that God calls me to, it's not always a, a good smell that I bring. That people don't always like that smell. Not that people don't like to be preached at. We're not talking about preaching. We don't want you to stand on the corner and preach unless you're called to, and, and you do that. We're talking about just being people of God. That sometimes we don't have to say anything, but God uses us to, to, to be people that are smelling salts to those places that we are, are placed to show and to share the love of God in action and in peace, to go where God calls us to go. That God spreads us, the fragrance of the knowledge of God, everywhere. If we're following, if my heart is pointed towards Jesus, if my feet are pointed towards Jesus, my heart will be also. So as we recognize the good life. May we recognize it's not one that we figure out our plan. It's not one that, that, that we map out every single section of our life. But we are following one who has been there before, who, who has, has gone to every place and space and every possible outcome. In fact, we are following one who goes before us, who knows the route, and who invites us forward. Well, in just a moment, we'll have the opportunity um, to participate in communion. And I'm very thankful for all the bread that I've had the opportunity to break with you guys. Communion is one of my um, uh, favorite times, partly because I like to watch you fumble with the bread. Not going to lie. <laughs> Sorry, it's just the best part. Right? I'm reminded, right, every time. I'm reminded of our humanity. I'm reminded 
of how Jesus could have uh, taken some uh, crazy holy thing and we could we could spend hours and hours making it and and we could do some uh, crazy ceremony and, and have all these special things but he didn't he chose bread and he chose wine or grape juice in our instance everyday ordinary stuff to be reminded of his presence and so we come forward and we receive what God has given us. We're reminded of the grace of God. We're reminded of the call of God on our lives. That his body was broken for us. That his blood was shed for us. And that he calls us to go. To go in action and go in peace. And so may you come forward today and participate in communion to be reminded of the love and the grace of God, but also to be reminded of his call on your life. So today, we gather together as one body to celebrate, remember, and to give God praise for the work that he has done and for the work he continues to do in the future. The fragrance of God. Good. Pastor Tommy and Pastor Stephanie have been called to do a new work, to share in the presence of God in a new community. Their work is not complete. It is simply moving. And we know with confidence that God will work through them in mighty and great ways in Ohio. And although we are sad and grieved, we also come together now and in the days to come and give God glory and praise for the things he has done in Mountain Home and the things he continues to do through us. The work is yet complete within us here at Mountain Home Nazarene. Over four years ago, we asked God to provide us with pastors to proclaim God's word, to encourage us, challenge us, strengthen us, and to love us. And Pastor Tommy and Stephanie have done just that, and they have done that very well. The Holy Spirit has moved amongst Tommy and Stephanie within our church and within themselves. They have been challenged and they have led in challenging us. We have all been stretched with our wings spreading further into the depth of our community. They have experimented with new ideas and have led us to know it's okay if it didn't work. It was simply an experiment. They have brought the word of God to us with laughter and at times tears. It has not always been easy for us, but growing does not come without some pain. We give God thanks and glory for their obedience to him and demonstrating for us to live God holy lives. So, as we gather and remember and to celebrate today, let us find strength in Christ to move forward with joy and excitement, promising to them that we will continue in the work they have left us to do and the promise and leaning into Christ to further his kingdom. We give God glory and praise today. So if Tommy and Stephanie would please come forward. Pastor Val and Kayla, come on up. Join us. Now, these by any means do not demonstrate our, our gratitude or show that in any way, but may they be little tokens for you to take and to remember the love that we have for you. Yes. Well, over the past couple of weeks, I think Tommy snuck in and saw it a couple of times. But we wanted to send you with a blanket, um, just something uh, to remember us by. Um, and so it's got 
lots of signatures on it, and um, on the back is the We Heart Mountain Home t-shirt, um, and also other memories um, of your time here. And so um, we just wanted to send this as um, just, just a little way to remember your little Mountain Home Church. Um, and for those of you who didn't get a chance to sign it, we're going to leave it on stage after the service so you can have an opportunity to come sign it if you didn't. And we know you got a sweet little video there, but we also wanted you to have hard copies to remember the life that you have shared with us. And as a token from this is a gift from your family. So, Stephanie, they had you in mind. Tommy received something earlier. Um, so, it, right? The, the fish, right? Okay, well, I'm told you did. That went well. Yeah. So, Stephanie, the metal, the metal fish. Wow. So, Stephanie, this is from a gift from your church family. I'll let you pull that out. You may open it. They had this in mind as a treasure box for something new and for something to put something old, a Bible, into the box for you. Trash bag did not represent anything. <laughs> so just a small gift of our token. Um, but at this time, we want to um, celebrate um, with you, and we want to send you guys forward, right, with God's blessing and ours. So if our board would please come forward, um, we're going to pray over you, and if they could lay their hands upon you. Um, so if you guys want to come forward, we'll have our board. And then the rest of you, if you would like to lay your hands upon our board, and we will go to prayer. So we can send you off with many blessings. Gracious God, we come together and we give you praise today. We thank you for Pastors Tommy and Stephanie and for our life together in this congregation and community. You have led them by the Holy Spirit to serve your people in this place, to build up your church and to glorify your name. You have led them to love and to love well. We have worked in common for the sake of the gospel. And together, we have studied your word. Together, we have broken bread and given thanks. In thanksgiving, we praise you for raising up faithful servants amongst us for the ministry of your church. We pray that Tommy and Stephanie may continue to exemplify in word and deed the gospel of your son. Grant that we, with them, may continue to serve you and the church on earth and be brought to rejoice in your kingdom forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. If you would please stand for our benediction. Pastors Tommy and Stephanie have started us four years ago with our hands in receiving the benediction, so if you will send your hands forward. So let us leave here today, my friends. Pastor Tommy and Stephanie. Surrounded by our love and led by the promises of God, the presence of Jesus Christ, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And now, may the Lord bless you, bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. In your precious name we pray. Amen.